Welcome to the Tin Lounge, where travel advisors Corrine and Teresa read you the travel industry news headlines that are currently unread in your inbox, so you can leave here feeling informed. If you're new around here, Tin stands for Travel Industry News, and on today's full episode, we're going to cover some of the biggest stories from this month. I'm Corrine, co-owner of Journey's Travel Company and creator of Travel Biz Boss. And I'm Teresa, owner of Get Out Custom Travels and creator of Fan With Intention. We've got a lot to cover, but before we get started, we wanted to give a shout out to our podcast network, Trav Market Media. Head on over to travmarketmedia.com to find some other fantastic travel podcasts. Yes. So what do we have up first? I feel like I always go first. I think you should go first this time. Okay. (laughs) My first one, when I saw the headline, I was like, oh, I ran in there so fast. It's from Travel Weekly. And the title is Crystal Cruises Ship Goes to the Bahamas After U.S. Court Orders Seizure. Cue the dramatics. (laughs) Catch me if you can. Cruise ship style. (laughs) I know a lot of us uh, have been freaking out about what's going on with Crystal Cruises and even people on my team are concerned about whether they're going to get paid commission on bookings that just sailed and who knows, but I was really surprised to see that they shot off to the Bahamas after the seizure was ordered. And then the passengers had to be ferried back from Bimini to Fort Lauderdale. And apparently the weather was not great. So it was a pretty rough situation. This is the hot goss. Oh my goodness. Salacious story. (laughs) We need like a Bravo special where we all sit around Mm -hmm. and talk about this. Mm -hmm. That is so crazy. It's like a movie. It's like a movie. Yep. So it says a federal district court in Miami issued a warrant for the Crystal Symphony because of more than $2 million in unpaid fuel bills. The symphony was currently on a cruise that was scheduled to end in Miami, but it changed course for the Bahamas instead where crystal ships are flagged. You think after the first mill of unpaid gas, they'd be like, hey, listen, yeah, we're going to need you to pay the one mill before we give you another yeah, $1 million worth of gas. Yeah. <laughs> so it says the warrant was issued after Crystal suspended operations of its ocean and expedition ships through April 29th after their parent company, Genting Hong Kong, said it would be out of cash by the end of the month and was winding up its operations. And I noticed another headline that said that the CEO did resign. So it had been scheduled to arrive in Miami on Saturday, January 22nd, but passengers were told on Friday that the ship would instead go to Bimini, where a fast ferry would take them back to Florida. And I guess they said the ferry transfer was, quote unquote, (laughs) uncomfortable due to inclement weather. Can you imagine what people spend on a crystal cruise and then to be ferried back on a fast ferry and bad weather to Fort Lauderdale. It's not a good match. No, not at all. And as someone who has been the victim of uh, companies going out of business in the travel industry, I can only imagine how these advisors and these people who are booked on crystal cruises for future sailings are feeling, and this is not chump change. Like they are probably Mm -hmm. freaking out over tens of thousands of dollars. Are they going to get that back? Like are the advisors going to be responsible legally if, you know, certain things were not met in terms of offering insurance, you know, all, all these different 
factors to think about. I can't imagine. And I actually don't have a huge clientele for Crystal, but our host agency and I think perhaps our consortia several months ago put them on like a caution list. And so Mm -hmm. I already was like, let's look at, you know, Seaborn or something (laughs) if that comes up. Right, right. But you just don't, I mean, after everything we've been through, I'm a little surprised that now as things are picking back up to see a a company like this having this trouble, but I don't know anything about what's really going on behind the scenes. I just thought, well, like what a juicy story that they zipped off to the Bahamas and that the passengers were ferried back. I'm sorry to any advisors who have clients on that and what you must have had to deal with when they returned. Well, hopefully that's an exception to the rule of the travel industry coming back. Just, just crystal. I think it is. I I, I don't think we're going to see a lot of that. Yeah. The news is actually, you know, we just went through a lull of like all terrible news and I'm noticing a a turn toward the positive again. So speaking of which, uh, Travel Pulse has an article that says World Health Organization says COVID related travel restrictions should be lifted. What? I didn't see that one. Uh, First thought was, are you kidding me right now? Like, Two years of travel restrictions. And I don't know if this is brought on by the fact that we have COVID testing widely available to us, the vaccination. It must be those tied together um, for them to be able to make this kind of recommendation. So the it says the WHO announced new recommendations for countries to lift or ease existing COVID-19-related travel restrictions. Um, according to voanews.com, the WHO's Uh, International Health Regulations Emergency Committee said during a recent meeting that coronavirus-related restrictions, quote-unquote, do not provide added value and continue to contribute to the economic and social stress experienced by citizens. Wow. Yeah, I think it does. Um, But it says here, too, WHO officials that the unmitigated spread of the Omicron variant shows the ineffectiveness of travel restrictions over time. The agency revealed safety measures such as masking, testing, isolation or quarantine, and vaccination, quote unquote, should be based on risk assessments to avoid placing an excess financial burden on international travelers. Hmm. It just feels so strange hearing that in my ear holes from the WHO. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just, I don't even know how to feel about this on one hand I'm like oh yay but on the other hand I'm like why now are we just saying oh well this is just the way it is now or I don't know um but anyway that is their recommendation um and we're seeing a mix of things like the U.S. uh in the U.S. the CDC announced it had updated its travel advisory lists for 40 countries and territories due to a rising number of COVID-19 cases around the world so we have these countries on a list on the CDC, but Mm -hmm. then in the UK, they relaxed some COVID-19 restrictions last week. Mm -hmm. Uh, England said fully vaccinated travelers and children under 18 no longer have to take a pre-departure COVID test when they come back to the UK. And a new study from UN's World Tourism Organization found that global tourism experienced a 4% upturn in 2021. The agency said the full impact of the Omicron variant and surge in COVID-19 cases has yet to be seen. But the rising vaccination rates and easing of travel restrictions have all helped release pent-up demand. Wow. What are we going to do with this information? 
Like, what are we going to do about it? <laughs> I think we might be in a bit of a transition period. I have not verified this in any way, but I was talking to a friend here recently and he was telling me about an article he read that said that South Africa is completely on the other side of Omicron and are back to normal life, which sounded bonkers to me as well. But I need to go look that up and verify it for my own, but that would be comforting. <sighs> Yowza, you just blew my head off. <laughs> no, we still have the rest of the episode to record. So wait until the end. <laughs> All right. Well, the next one I have is going back to cruising and it's about the CDC's conditional sailing order. It's from Travel Age West. And it says that the CDC's conditional sailing order has expired. So what's next for ocean cruising? So it expired January 15th. And it says it's not expected that the cruise industry will dramatically modify its health protocols, at least not right away. So we, I think I mentioned last week on Excess Baggage that Norwegian was the first cruise company to opt in officially. Um, and I'm sorry, I just accidentally scrolled the wrong direction. <laughs> So uh, moving on to Carnival, while not expressly opting into the CDC program, several Carnival Corporation brands have also recommitted to their current protocols. So Carnival said it will continue operating vaccinated voyages with pre-embarkation testing. It will also implement indoor mask requirements until further notice. They also plan to begin using Verify which is a solution widely utilized by the airline industry. So guests embarking in the U.S. can upload their proof of vaccination and testing confirmation before boarding. The process is being piloted at Port Canaveral before rolling out to the remainder of the fleet. It says Carnival is also working on expanding its in-terminal testing option, especially for the short three and four day departures. And then Holland America has also extended its va vaccine mandate with boosters encouraged and testing requirements, as well as the masking, um, because they say they want their guests to feel confident when they book a cruise, which it makes sense. Yeah. Paula Twydale, or Twydale, I'm not sure how to pronounce I'm the worst with these, who is the Senior Vice President of Travel for AAA, said that opting into the CDC's new voluntary program reassures travelers that cruise lines are committed to providing a safe and comfortable environment for their guests, and she says it's very likely we'll see other cruise lines opting into the voluntary program. She believes cruise lines will continue to do what is necessary to protect crews and passengers, which they have consistently shown as their top priority. Interestingly enough, this just brings up one of my clients called me yesterday. She's absolutely furious because Royal Caribbean hosts, um, it's like a private charter of a gay group. And a lot of photos and very sensationalized headlines were out. Like they had her thinking she was going to step on like a used syringe when she gets on the cruise <laughs> in March. Um, but, you know, that was a privately chartered ship. I'm sure there were some, possibly some different rules. Um, but all of these crazy headlines that are like, they, these get the most attention. It's just really hurting a lot of people. These cruise lines are really working so hard 
to be the safest place that you can go. And I, and I, one of my clients who is my most nervous, nervous Nelly, he did just go on celebrity and he came back and said it was absolutely glorious. And he doesn't think he'll ever get to sail again with a ship with that low of a capacity and that he absolutely felt safer there than at home. And that's what almost everyone is saying. So it just stinks. I just, it just made me think again of these crazy headlines that go out there and just blow things up while at the same time, these cruise lines are working so hard to ensure everyone's safety. Yeah. And I remember seeing an article with a photo of that particular lead chartered cruise. And I know people are just going to look at the photo and not read anything and make their own assumptions like in their head about that particular ship. Like later on, listen, they'll clean the ship. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and I just want to end it with a quote from Julia Simpson, who is the president and CEO of the WTTC. She says, the cruise industry has proven time and time again that its enhanced health and safety protocols consistently achieve significantly lower rates of COVID-19 occurrence than onshore. WTTC calls upon the CDC to stop singling out the cruise industry with harmful and necessary measures. Cruise lines have an excellent record for health and safety and cruising continues to offer extraordinary travel experiences. So thank you for coming to my TED Talk. (laughs) (laughs) All right. This next article is from Travel Age West. And for those who are listening, if within the past two years you've experienced burnout at least once. Or 17 times. Raise your hand. Give me a whoop whoop, whatever it is you want to do. But um, apparently... You're not the only one. What? <laughs> you know, if you thought you were special, you're really not. <laughs> and that's another thing I learned on TikTok. I thought my life was so unique. It's not. Nope. There are so many people who have gone through the experiences I have gone through. It's it's crazy how specific my FYP is at this point. Um, so this article from Travel Age West, it's titled, Americans are burnt out. New data shows that planning vacations makes them happier. Yeah. Question is, do you want to be part of the process of making people happier? If you do, you are in luck because that's our job. (laughs) (laughs) So Americans are burnt out and did not use all their vacation days last year. It says most Americans, 81%, feel somewhat to extremely burnt out, according to new data from Destination Analysis on behalf of the U.S. Travel Association. After nearly two years of dealing with pandemic stressors, this is hardly surprising, with remote employees working more hours than they did prior to the pandemic. In addition to struggling to unplug after work, only one quarter of Americans used all their pay time off in 2021, leaving an average of 4.6 days of vacation on the table. So... This is great information for you to write up a caption mm-hmm. or put together new email marketing. Um, why does why does this matter? Planning vacations makes Americans happier, really. Um, with growing burnout comes increasing awareness of the need to take vacations, which is amazing news for us. Nine out of 10 respondents agreed that it was important to use their paid time off to travel and six in 10 agreed that travel is more important than ever. Absolutely. Guys, this is this, the horn has blown. We are being called to service. We are being called to serve. <laughs> I love it. 
<laughs> I mean, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan, so I'm just like thinking about like when they blow the horn, it's just like, oh, or the beacons are lit, guys. The beacons are lit. You're such a um, the majority of respondents are putting, yeah, <laughs> the majority of respondents are putting their money where their mouth is and making travel a top top uh, budget priority for 2022. 61% of respondents are saying that travel is a top budget priority for 2022. It certainly is for me. Um, yeah. Great news. The data also puts an emphasis on the act of travel planning and sorting that close to three quarters of planners reported being extremely or very happy anticipating and planning vacations in the next year versus just four in 10 of non-planners. And that's not really surprising. We all know the anticipation is like one of the best parts Huge. of yeah, getting you excited, getting you happy. So fast facts, one of our favorite sections. We love the fast facts. Fast facts. Planners travel more than non-planners. So National Planning Vacation Day, which is today the day we're recording, so it's going to be in the past for you guys. But you know what? You can still capitalize on it. Yeah. It started as a way to combat the issue of Americans not taking all their paid time off. But this year, the campaign has also focused on the impact of the pandemic on American workers, many of whom are burnt out and overworked. According to the data, planners prioritize traveling with their paid time off, a trend that is expected to continue to rise in 2022. Uh, when 53% of planners anticipate traveling more than previous years versus 27% of non-planners. More than half of Americans who typically plan their time off took an overnight vacation in 2021 compared to 33% of non-planners. Um, and one of the top motivators for planning a trip in the next six months is to avoid burnout. So take advantage. Now's the time. We, as Americans, are in serious need of vacation. Yes. And I'm speaking from personal experience. <laughs> yes. And I just booked out the first half of the year and it's going to be quite something. <laughs> well, should we uh, do a few quick headlines? Oh yeah. Let's break it up with some excess baggage. <laughs> it's time for excess baggage, which is a speed round of headlines that are pretty self-explanatory. So you can learn a lot in just a couple of minutes. According to Travel Weekly, the UK will end COVID-19 testing requirements for fully vaccinated inbound adult travelers and for all inbound travelers under age 18 beginning February 11th. They also report that an aircraft mechanics shortage could hamper airline operations and cause more cancellations. An article from Travel Pulse says that Hawaii is looking at February 18th as a possible target date for adding a booster shot as a requirement to its Safe Travels Hawaii and Safe Access Oahu programs. Another one from them says that the pandemic has changed many ways in which travel advisors do business. One is that a large number are choosing to join host agencies for the protection, support, and comfort of an umbrella organization. Travel Agent Central reports that Switzerland has amended its entry and test regulations, gone into effect on January 22nd. The following entry and testing requirements now apply to travelers entering Switzerland from the United States and Canada. Fully vaccinated visitors from the U.S. will not be required to take a pre-arrival test. Fully vaccinated and recovered visitors from Canada will not need a pre-arrival test. And travelers must complete no earlier than 48 hours before departure the online form of the Federal Office of Public Health. They also report that Insight Vacations has introduced a collection of regional small group van tours in the U.S. where guests will travel in intimate style in a new fleet of Mercedes-Benz Sprinter vans. These tours include an intimate group of no more than 17 guests besides a two-person team of a travel director and expert driver. The trips can be booked for private groups or join publicly on scheduled departure dates. 
According to Travel Market Report, the CDC has added Australia to its level four COVID-19 very high warning list. One more from them says that Uniworld will now let guests bid on potential stateroom upgrades. And our high note today is from Travel Weekly. Lindblad Expeditions will sail four ships in Alaska this summer, one more than previously planned because of robust demand. And that's it for Excess Baggage. Just a reminder that all our articles can be found in the show notes. So if you want to revisit the numbers and use them for your social media fast facts. or email marketing, <laughs> fast facts, think fast. <laughs> yeah, I just added a, a sound effect to fast facts. Tell Age West if you want to use that, that's okay. <laughs> all right, up next, this is a Travel Weekly article. Um, and it's an opinion piece from Arnie Weissman. Emma, please tell your dad we said hello because yes. this article is great. And it's titled Travel's Formula for Success in a Pandemic. And this is, I, I, I urge you to look this article up like in our show notes just to read it because it's kind of like a look back at our industry during the past two years. So he writes, when the history of the pandemic is written, I have little doubt that, that the travel industry will be studied closely. Our response to the crisis is a case study in the making of an industry under tremendous pressure over a prolonged period of time. Psychologists, sociologists, and academics will study the roots of resilience in the face of adversity. Uh, they'll dissect our experiences to identify the building blocks of industrial perseverance. Oh, yeah. I know, right? <laughs> He, he says, I'm no social scientist, but I have theories about why travel professionals press on in an extremely challenging environment. If there's a formula behind our will to persist, I believe these are some of its components. We're generous professionals. Mm -hmm. Like we are so willing to share what we know. We're so willing to just be of service to others. We're so generous. Even with our competitors, we're still there to help each other. We understand that we're just, we're not individuals in this in this industry like we yeah. work together yeah um so many times another piece to the formula over time our business skills have become sharpened by adversity how many times have we've come back from a challenge and we don't just come back we come back so much better than we were before yeah and that's also speaking from personal experience yes i have no evidence except for anecdotes <laughs> so <laughs> And I know this is true for so many other advisors that I know, and I'm sure you know of many people too, who compared to where they were pre-COVID to where they are now, completely different. Yes. And in a good way. In a good way. Um, we are an industry with a concentration of companies that have heightened levels of operational skill, sophistication, and confidence. Honestly, Kareen, I feel like I could do anything right now. Like you want to put me in a position that I've, I have zero experience for. I will say, yeah, sure. I can do it. I'm a travel advisor that lived through COVID. <laughs> like what? Like it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> Had to get a little L in there. A little yes. <laughs> For some reason, I was just like, I'm like, I know that phrase and I can't remember where it's from. And I thought it was clueless, but I'm like, no, it's something better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what? Like, it's hard. Yeah. Um, it's not. We can handle it. We are an industry of optimists. Mm -hmm. uh, at professional conferences, I'm not particularly impressed when speaker after speaker projects positivity. Every industry has cheerleaders. 
But he says, I've observed that in travel, messages of hopefulness are underpinned with genuine insight and supported by research. Yes. Uh, There's also investor and stakeholder confidence. He's looking back at when the cruise industry received infusions of dollars Mm -hmm. um, back when the pandemic was really, really bad. Yeah. Um, And also sectors are separate but connected. Once again, we're interconnected. We rely on each other. And this manifests strongly along the critical supplier-retailer access, where suppliers provided loans and revised commission plans and retailers rebooked and rebooked and rebooked canceled trips. Yep. So we've learned how to have honest communication. We recognize that we need these relationships. And we realize how important these relationships are yep. during a crisis. Yep. I agree with you. I feel like it could do anything. I think that for me, that's a combination of everything we've been through and also moving to another country. Like now nothing intimidates me. Yeah. But what? Like it's hard. We're badass. That's the bottom line. Yeah, we are. There's a few more in here that really talk about the formula of our success as we move out of the pandemic era. And also, I would insert my own little piece to the formula as to why we persist. It's because we're super stubborn. Like, mm-hmm. we just, we don't like people telling us what to do. We're just like, we we got into our own business for a reason. Like, don't tell me what to do. I will make it if I want to. Okay? Like, you tell me I can't do something. You just watch. Well, it's interesting because a couple of advisors that I know who shall remain nameless I know I have spent time looking at other jobs and in each case, I'm like, Oh, please. Like like you're going to work for someone else. Nobody wants you coming in and telling them they're running their business wrong. Oh my God. Well, that's one of the reasons why I didn't actually do anything about job searching because I, I know myself. Um, I always say like, I joke, I'm like, I'm just going to work at target, but you just look back at the target in like three months, I will be managing the target and it would be no extra effort on my part. And so I'm just like, no, I'm not going to do that. And you're not the only one though. Some other very strong willed travel advisors are like, I think I'm going to get a job. I'm like, please. (laughs) (laughs) Are Are we ready to go on to the next one? Yeah. Okay. So this is another one from Travel Age West. It was actually written by Jeffrey Mint, who is a contributing writer, uh, and, I'm, and he's an attorney. And it's called Legal Lingo, Why Travel Agents Need to Clearly Communicate a Supplier's Terms According to a Lawyer. Travel advisors have always been in the middle between customers on one side and suppliers on the other. However, the pandemic has highlighted some of the conflicts that can arise when trying to satisfy competing interests. Um, He says, I'm sure that every advisor can think of numerous times when being caught in the middle made them uncomfortable, for sure. An easy example is when a supplier offers a future travel credit with a book buy and travel by date, but the customer wants to extend these dates. If you have, uh, it's been constant. And actually one of my team right now is struggling with one who's threatening litigation because of exactly the same, but I've been round and round this challenge so many times. Um, and it's incredible to what clients will come up with as their rationale for why it should be extended. And honestly, I, I do think it's unfair for 
consumers to be trapped for this long, but none of nothing about this entire situation is fair. So, uh, but he says, since the advisor has no control over the supplier's terms, but must act as the interface between the two parties, the advisor is essentially a ping pong ball passage, passing messages back and forth. And if the supplier holds firm and will not change the terms, the advisor becomes the bearer of bad news and often the customer's punching bag. Sound familiar? Uh, yeah. And that's why I've made a point to keep mentioning that I'm dead inside because you can do it if you want to. I'm not going to feel a thing. Yeah. It's what, who sings that? Pat Benatar? Hit me with your best shot. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Go ahead. Do it. If it makes you feel better. <laughs> I'm just going to be here drinking my coffee and going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yes, I understand. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So he's saying, can you protect yourself? Well, one key suggestion, uh, which he says might make him sound like a broken record, and I think we've talked about this before too, is to make clear in your client agreement that your client will be bound by terms and policies of each supplier and that you, the advisor, will act as a conduit but are not responsible for for creating or changing supplier policies. So the thing that we need to know is that it is, he's quoting, it is black-letter law that a travel agent is deemed to be the agent of the passenger on whose behalf he acts. And the passenger is accordingly charged with constructive knowledge of information in the travel agent's possession. So in other words, we are allowed to act on behalf of our client, but to protect ourselves, we have to make sure that we communicate those terms and conditions to the client. And he says that in most courts, a link to the supplier's terms and conditions is sufficient. And that it also says that when the supplier shares information with the travel advisor, the supplier can reasonably infer that the customer customer has been made aware of the shared information. So if a customer goes and initiates a lawsuit against the supplier, the supplier can fall back on the position that it communicated its terms and conditions to the advisor, and therefore the supplier can seek to dismiss the case. And as we know, people can sue anyone they want in the end. So even if you are on the right side of things, it can be a nightmare if you don't have everything laid out. So the bottom line is uh, you always want to communicate the supplier's terms and conditions and specifically say that the client is subject to the supplier's terms and conditions. So he's saying what would be considered negligence? So um It is negligent for an advisor to have information from the supplier, but to not share it with the customer. Therefore, travel advisors should keep the following in mind. Always share the supplier terms and conditions, including COVID-19 related updates immediately to the customer. Most courts will find it acceptable to simply share a link to the supplier terms and in the client agreement, include a sentence such as, we are pleased to provide you this confirmation of your trip, which is subject to the terms and conditions of the supplier, which can be found at blah, 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 dot com. So those sound very simple, but those few little things, if you don't have them, could be detrimental. So make sure you go check out the link in the show notes to this article and make sure everything you have adheres to that. That's, I'm going to make sure to, I mean, I, I don't have clients sign a separate agreement, but I do have that language on the invoice that they have to sign off on, but I'm just going to go double check everything and make sure. Everything is as it should be. We are going to come out of this pandemic more like Elle Woods than we thought. <laughs> yep. So much legal jargon. We may as well get like, we may as well be paralegals, right? Like, yes. What, exactly. what else? 
<laughs> what else can we do? How many more hats can we wear? Mm-hmm. Um, that is so good to know because I feel like one thing for me that is all even before the pandemic started, I was always so careful about like doing things legally. Not that I was wanting to do anything wrong, but it's just there's so many things to look at in terms of seller travel, in terms of things that you can and can't do, um, state specific laws. And I just wanted to make sure everything was to the T. And so having this new thing that's consistently evolving, Mm -hmm. um, it's just so important to keep up your terms and conditions language to protect yourself. Yeah. And I, you know, I have a lot of clients I've been working with for between 10 and 15 years, and they really want to be able to just email me and tell me to put things on the card on file but I can't do it anymore. I have to tell them I'm sorry just because of everything. Now I have to get your authorization signed. And then I'm also, I created a repeat client inquiry form. So it's a lot more simplified and it addresses, it acknowledges that they are a repeat client and thanks them for that. And it's much simpler, but then I have the COVID waiver built into it as well. So we can just get all that knocked out pretty Mm -hmm. succinctly. Yeah. But I'm just constantly trying to think of ways to get in front of things constantly. <laughs> How can I? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That way it prevents you from having to answer those questions later on. Yep. You got one more? Uh, I think so. I have one on the bench. I'm going to call it up to the game. <laughs> um, this is from Travel Weekly. And it's titled, Hoteliers Have Resolved to Live with the Virus. As all of us have done. (laughs) Yes. Um, Like there's a choice. Yeah. Like we had a choice as the COVID-19 pandemic enters its third year, the America's lodging investment summit opening sessions on Monday indicated the hotel industry is done waiting for a return to pre pandemic conditions. I didn't realize you were still waiting for that, but I (laughs) guess some people were. Um, So says hoteliers are now fully embracing the need to be more adaptable as the changes to travel continue to unfold. Uh, so Burba Hotel Network President Jeff Higley in his opening remarks mentioned it's now an endemic, it's not a pandemic. So it's a permanent fixture now that we have to think about. Um, moving ahead, leading by example, trying to get the industry back on its feet. With everyone's help, we can certainly do that and move on with life as safely as possible. Part of the discussion was how are they going to adapt the way they run their hotels, the way they work with advisors, the way they um, interact with guests. How are they going to adapt that to COVID now that they know that we're not going back to pre-pandemic conditions? There's resiliency in that approach of thinking of COVID as endemic and what that means and how we're going to live with it and how we're going to work going forward. We feel very good about the year and we're bullish on things coming back more quickly in the fall. Yep. I feel like we are on the precipice of really just having everything blow up. I hope everyone's ready and blow up in a good way. Like, yeah, I'm already feeling it. The thing is like, we can be so crazy busy, but uh, we're not going to see the financial yeah. Benefits of that until later. But when I tell you it's going to be good. We do what it, we do what we got to do. We do what we got to do. <laughs> yeah. Charge those fees, man. Yeah. Charge those fees. <laughs> Certainly is helpful. <laughs> Very helpful. 
So let's talk about what destination is on our mind. I'm going to count to three. We'll say at the same time. Okay. Hopefully there's no internet lag. Let's do it. One, two, three. Croatia. Croatia. <laughs> I think there was a little lag. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Corrine, why is Croatia a destination on your mind? Well, recently I was invited to participate in a FAM on a charter ship boat. I guess it's a boat, right? Off the coast of Croatia, which I immediately said yes to. It's in May. That is so funny because that is the same exact reason why oh, Croatia is on my mind. <laughs> you think we're on the same one? <laughs> Indeed we are. <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited for this because I book Croatia here and there, but I've never been. Have you been to Croatia before? I haven't. And it's been on, high on my list. It was such an easy yes for me. Mm -hmm. um, I... Well, first, I'm doing a river cruise at the end of March, and that is Eastern Europe, Budapest to Bucharest. And then we grabbed this. So then I also was given a free Viking cruise. So I booked that right before this. So I'll start in Amsterdam and go down the Rhine to Basel, spend a couple nights hopefully in Lake Lucerne, and then head down to Croatia. I'm having quite a European adventure all in the first half of 2022. And... I am here for it because I have been denied my European whirlwinds for a long time. It's time. Mm -hmm. It's time. And I have yeah, really always been super interested in what these charter situations are like. Um, so I'm super excited to try it out because I think I do possibly have a clientele for it. Mm -hmm. And I also want my clients to see me doing all of these things. I just want people to think I'm cool. <laughs> it would be impossible for anyone not to think you're cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. The hard part now for me is trying to figure out the pre and post for mm -hmm. Croatia. Mm -hmm. um, I think it would be pre or post. Maybe pre and post. See, I, I still don't know. And I need to figure that, that out. If you know any good travel agents, let me know. Um, <laughs> How can I help you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean with you saying you're doing a river cruise beforehand I also have a river cruise credit um from COVID times when it had to be canceled it was another fam and they said you can just take another river cruise using the credit that we have for the fam so mm -hmm. potentially doing that to avoid having to travel back and forth more than once but we'll see TBD, TBD. Well, I mean, I feel like going all the way over there for one week seems, I don't want to do it. That's the bottom line. Yeah. <laughs> at least two weeks. But now this is stretching to more like three. So I have to plan mm -hmm. things out so I can enjoy myself and not work myself to death while I'm doing it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is there something you're loving right now? Yes. I had put one thing, but um, then you surprised me today and I loved it way more than Ozark. Um, so I am loving how you are used my travel biz boss, uh, destination guide template to create an Italy guide and you sent it to me. It's absolutely beautiful. And then you were telling me how much you were getting out of my cruise templates. And so now I'm, my head doesn't fit through the door cause I'm so excited. Obviously your 
opinion means a lot to me. So to know that you're getting so much use out of them is just very fulfilling. Yes, a hundred percent. Yes. And I debated putting the Travel Biz Boss templates on the something that I'm loving right now because I recently did, um, I booked a bachelorette party. And when I tell you like the dopamine high that I got from just clicking two clicks and sending the message out with all the information on there, including COVID details, where to go for that, mm-hmm. how quickly I completed that task was insane. I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do with my time now? <laughs> but seriously, one of the things I love, and this is not like a sponsored thing or anything, but I love the templates that you have, not just the cruise ship templates, but the the Italy one that you're talking about, you had created an amazing one for Cancun. Like that was so, so good. Um, And I sent it out, I think either, I think it's 30 days or seven days. I don't remember when I send that out, but it's before they go on their trip and it hits every single detail from like walk past the timeshare people do Mm -hmm. not stop at the timeshare thing to here's a list of common you know spanish words to use like so many great things and i'm like this would be such a great tool to use for other destinations i sell a lot of and italy is one of them so i had my assistant take your template and i sent her like a travel guide for italy and she basically just plugged in the information to that template and it's so easy and I'm having her make templates or I'm having her make pre-departure guides for other destinations and it's for my branding. So yeah, absolutely love it. Guys, I would buy her templates again. (laughs) I would buy her templates again. That's what you said in the chat. And that of course is like the thing anyone wants to hear that you you (laughs) got your money's worth and you felt like you got a good value. Yeah. And I love how you constantly update the templates. It's not like, oh, here it is. And that's it. Like you're updating it with like COVID stuff, which is so important. Basically what I do is when I'm updating for myself, I just go in and update the libraries too. So everyone can always have the most recent version like I have mm-hmm. it. So mm-hmm. every once in a while, I'll go and check all the links. Like, are they going to the right places? And I just constantly... But if I think of something that's useful, like a link to COVID restrictions, I'll just go in and update them and let people know, hey, there's an updated version. Go get it. And everything's yeah, super in helpful. Google Drive, so it's easy. Yeah. Super helpful. Inve- a great investment if you haven't made that investment yet. Like, seriously. My time is so freed up that I like I don't even do anything productive a lot of the time with the extra time. I mean, I think maps would be productive. I, I basically just rest. Like I could just do other things. That's not like stressing about what do I yeah. say to people. Guys, yeah. literally, I, I, I <laughs> was intentionally thinking this last week. And that's why I'm so like gung-ho about this. It is insane. It well, is thank, so nice. Thank you, Karine. today. <laughs> <laughs> What's something you're loving? Um, I talked about this last week, but it's still going strong. And that's the COVID confidence. It's still going strong for me. And I feel like with every single thing that happens, even if it's challenging, or especially if it's challenging, and um, I overcome that, it's like, the confidence grows even more. Yeah. So I'm loving it. Charging those fees, telling people, I don't tell people what to do. I think the better term is 
I have control of pretty much every situation when it comes to client facing things. Whereas in the past, you know, sometimes it's so easy to let them dictate the direction that Mm -hmm. the conversation is going, whatever it is, but no, the number of new people that I've had pay the fee um, without question and then have complete trust that I know what I'm doing. It's literally what I've always wanted. And it is your confidence that allows those things to happen. Exactly. It's the tone. There's no, and I recently, I had a friend, um, you know, reach out to me. She's like, Hey, I'm finally starting to charge those fees. And we have been talking about fees for the past four years and she still has not had, you know, the, she hasn't charged fees. Um, so now she's gotten to a point where she's like, I'm finally sick of working for free. I'm finally sick of canceling and rescheduling. How do you charge your fees? Like, what do you do? And I just walked her through and I'm like, the most important thing is your tone and the way you present it. If you are going to be nervous about talking about your fee, then people are not going to believe that you are worth your fee. And if the last two years haven't taught, hasn't taught you anything, it's that you're worth whatever money you're charging. Like, yep. You earn that. You earn that. So put it on your website. Put it on the email that you send out after the inquiry so they know up front this is what you do. This is what you put charge. It on your inquiry That's form. It. Put it on your inquiry form. Put it everywhere. That way, by the time they call you or by the time you guys have a discovery call, they know that you charge a fee. Yep. And when it comes to confidence, fake it till you make it. Honestly, it does work. And I just laugh thinking about it. My niece who owns a business as well was having to do cold calls, which I cannot do under any circumstances. I cannot do a cold call, but she was telling me how she would watch YouTube videos to get herself like super fired up and pumped up. So like get yourself some music, some eye of the tigers, (laughs) some whatever, do whatever it takes to pump yourself up. And if you fake it the first few times, you won't be faking it anymore because you'll just kind of, I think honestly, yeah. after collecting your very first fee, it's, it totally changes your attitude. Just one, one fee can change your entire mm-hmm. approach. Yeah. I, there's this TikTok account that has started popping up for me consistently and I really, really love her account and I can't remember what it's called right now, but when I go into calls I already tell myself they are already my clients. Like they are paying this fee. Like there's no other option. Like that's what they're going to do. I already know they're going to pay my fee. And so when I walk into quote unquote, walk into the room for the discovery call, I already know that they're going to be my clients. Yep. And it's the manifesting part is not like, oh, I'm manifesting that I need them to be my clients or I'm manifesting that like I want them to be my clients. No, they're already your clients. Yeah, baby. Yeah. COVID <laughs> confidence. <laughs> it would be great if you could bottle it up. Yeah. Oh, I will. I will. It'll get to a point where it's so annoying. But <laughs> I will I will give the energy to whoever needs it. <laughs> I'm pretty confident, but you're really kicking it up a few notches. I know. I'll just tell you how great your templates are. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much for sticking with us until the end. We hope this episode has been informative and entertaining and energizing and all the good stuff. All the articles we referenced today can be found in the show notes. I don't know about you, 
but I can't wait to go and delete those travel news emails I've been hoarding for the past month to make room for more travel news emails. <laughs> if you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and or share the show. Also head on over to our Facebook and Instagram pages, which are both under the Tin Lounge. We'll link them in the show notes. If you have any questions or comments or just want to say hello, please shoot us a DM or email us at hello at the Thanks again for joining us in the Tin Lounge, where you can learn a lot in a short amount of time. See you next week. Bye. Bye.